Amen. All right, so we're going to conclude our Not Conformed series, and we're going to look at God's will for our lives. So I have a question for you. What is God's will for your life? Do you know? Do you know God's will for your life? How many in here are seeking to know God's will for your life? It would be all of us. Wouldn't that not be true? It's all of us. We want to know God's will for our life. God, I want to know what, what is it you call me to do? What is it you want me to do? That is a common question. And here's what happens a lot in our life is that we get really stressed out about knowing God's will for our life. Have you ever been there? Been stressed out or overwhelmed. You're facing a situation in your life. You're facing a, a, a season of, 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 of decision and you get overwhelmed emotionally. You get burdened down because you're like, I just don't know what to do. God, I don't know your will. I don't know what it is that you have for me. Can you relate? We can all relate to that. And here's some common questions that we typically ask. There's certain situations that tend to be common. We might ask questions like this. Who, who should I marry? Who should I marry? Anybody there? Do you want to know who you should marry? Any single people? All right, look. If you're single and you want to be married, you got to make some noise so that the other single people in the room can hear you. I mean, that's how it works. Any single people, who should I marry? Have you thought about it? Oh, goodness, Lord. We, we need some help in this one. What job should I take? You ever thought that? What job should I take? Very common question that we ask God. What job should I take? Where should I live? What house should I buy? What church should I become a member of? These tend to be big questions that we face in our life and, and, and we struggle from time to time in these situations. And I just want to tell you that, that in this message, I am going to be able to tell you what is the will of God for your life. I'm going to be able to tell you. Now, I, may, I, may, I may not be able to tell you the person you're to marry specifically or what job you're specifically to take or what house you're specifically to buy, but I can tell you for sure what God's will is for your life. And all of it flows from the first two messages that we looked at in Romans 12, 1 and 2. What we looked at in Romans 12, 1 and 2 is that because of the great mercies of God in our life. Do you remember the first message? I went over about 15 different verses about the mercy of God and his grace from the book of Romans. And I went over, we went over and over and over again looking at the grace and the mercy of God. And the Apostle Paul says, in view of those mercies, those overwhelming mercies of God, the only reasonable response is that we would be what? Did you forget? We would be a la, 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 li, living sacrifices. You guys are paying attention. I know you were. In view of all the mercies of God, it's the only rational. He said it's the only reasonable response is that we would lay down our life as living sacrifices and say, God, here is my life. I give you all of my life. And then as a result of that, it's natural. It should be natural that we would not be conformed to the world. That we would not adopt worldly mindsets and, and views about this life. And then in concert with that, in line with that, we also, people who are living sacrifices, who are not conforming to the world, they are pursuing after the renewal of their mind. They want their mind to be transformed. And we talked about last week about how our mind is made new. 
is through the truth of God's word. That God's word makes new our mind, our thinking, to where we, we can understand properly about life. We can understand properly about what the will of God is. And so this is where it flows. It flows right after that. The, the, someone who is a living sacrifice. Somebody who is not conformed. Someone who is surrendered and who is having their mind renewed. Something's going to happen in, in their life. They're going to be able to discern what is the will of God? Let's go to the text, Romans 12, 1 and 2. Let's look at it again. We'll unpack how we can know God's will. How can we discern God's will? It says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Other translations call it your reasonable service. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind that, or so that, by testing, by testing, you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. So we're going to unpack that last section, that by testing, you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. So how can we know the will of God for our life. We're going to unpack it in three simple thoughts here. The first one is this, and we get it directly from that verse in verse 2, it, that knowing God's will, knowing God's will comes through testing and discernment. Knowing God's will in your life comes through testing and discernment. That by testing you may discern. And I just want to tell you that I believe one of the greatest needs in the body of Christ today is discernment. We need to be believers in Jesus Christ that are discerning, that we're able to test. We're able to take the messages that we're here. We're able to, to take the, the thoughts that we have and we're able to hold them up against the standard of, true, of the truth of God's word and be somebody that tests what we hear, what we think. We need discernment. And here's what I know is true, that we, there are a lot of passionate, loud voices in our world today that are speaking passionately and they're speaking loudly about what they believe is true. And we need to be discerning so that we're not duped. So we're not fooled and deceived in the middle of a world that is perverse. We live in the middle of a culture that is perverse. That is anti-God, anti-Christ, anti-Scripture. I was listening to, was listening to a uh, video on YouTube a couple of days ago, yesterday maybe. And it was all about different views about life that we would say are biblical and there's a group of people that took the same scriptures and tried to say the opposite of what scripture would say and so they took those scriptures and these were non-believers and they were saying see christians say that this is what is true this is what is right and this is what is good but we're telling you and we're going to tell you passionately and we're going to tell you loudly and we're going to influence you in a way to distrust god's word we need, you need discernment in your life to be able to quickly recognize what is true and what is false. A spiritually mature believer will be someone who lives a life of testing everything they hear against the truth of God's word. Do you do that? When you're watching the news, when you're reading the blogs, when you're on your news feed, when you're on your Instagram feed, when you're looking, when you're digesting information, are you testing? Are you discerning? Are you recognizing? No, that's not true. That's false. That doesn't line up with what Scripture says. A spiritually mature believer will be someone who lives a life of testing everything they hear against the truth of God's Word. God's Word is the standard we hold everything up to. Knowing God's will begins at this point. Knowing God's will begins at this point. If you want to know God's will, you have to be passionately desirous to know it. 
And you have to make a commitment that you will be someone as a believer that is discerning with the information you receive in your daily life. Ephesians 5 says, let no one deceive you with empty words. There are many people in our world today that are ready to deceive you with words, listen, that are empty. These words, as we hold up the truth of scripture, these words have substance. And these words are truth, not because they come from my lips or from other preachers' lips, but because they are the very words of God. But there are people in the world today that want to deceive you with words that have no substance. They're empty, and they end in emptiness. For because of these things, the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Therefore, do not become partners with them. For at one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light, for the fruit of light is found in all that is good and right and true. Listen to this, verse 10. And try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. Try to discern, to test, as Paul says in Romans 12, to test. He says it again in Ephesians 5. Discern, test, try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. Is what they're saying true? So if you want to know God's will for your life, you have to have discernment in your life. Just because someone says something doesn't mean it meets the test of Scripture. Just because someone says something in a convincing manner doesn't mean it meets the test of Scripture. Just because your favorite preacher says something in a convincing manner doesn't mean it meets the test of Scripture. And it just at this point, I want to pause and say that, that standard is for me as well. Just because I say, say something doesn't mean that it's true. We, you, you must be students of God's word. And when I say something and, and I bring you something that I am saying is true, hold it up to the test of Scripture. Test me to see if what I am preaching is biblical. 2 Timothy 4 says this, For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching. But having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions. And will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. That's where we're at right now. It started then in the Bible days and it is where we are for sure in our culture today. People are wandering off into myths. As for you, as for you, that means me and you, as for believers in Jesus Christ, always be sober-minded. Be sober-minded, think diligently, be discerning, test everything you hear. Always be sober-minded, endure suffering, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. If you are sincere in your desire to know God's will for your life, but you do not take God's word serious, you will struggle to find stability in your life. If you are sincere in your desire to know God's will for your life in every area, but you don't take God's word serious, you will struggle to find his will. You will struggle to be led down the path to his will in your life. You have to start right here. We must be discerning. We must test God. We must test the messages that we hear compared to God's word. So it's popular today for people to talk about following their inner voice. You ever heard somebody say that? Just follow your inner voice. Follow what you hear on the inside. And I just want to tell you that sometimes it's not very smart to follow your inner voice. Sometimes your inner voice will lead you in directions and places that are not good for you and your family and your spiritual growth. And even today in popular movies for children, we're encouraged to follow our inner voice. Anybody saw Toy Story 4? Anybody? You know what I'm about to talk about? Buzz Lightyear. 
Buzz Lightyear had a conversation with Woody. Bud, Buzz has always been confused about Woody. Woody is always somebody who just knows what to do. He jumps out of moving vehicles to go save a lost toy. Woody is always, he makes good decisions and he's, he's authoritative. And so Buzz looks at Woody in Toy Story 4 and says, Buzz, I just, Woody, I just don't get it. How do you know what to do? And Woody looked at Buzz and said, Buzz, you just got to follow your inner voice. Just follow your inner voice. And so Buzz said, okay, all right. I've got some voice buttons right here. Let me see. Let me see. So, so in the movie, uh, you see Buzz throughout the movie. He gets into situations. He doesn't know what to do, so he presses a button. And it says, you know, the prepackaged message, right? And so he follows that instruction, and he follows his inner voice. And it works. And then it works again. You know, accidentally works again and again. And then he gets to a place. And he doesn't know what to do. He keeps hitting the buttons. He keeps hitting the buttons. And it's like, that, no, that's not going to work. And that's not going to work. My inner voice is failing me. And he says, why? And each time before, when it worked out, he said, thank you, inner voice. But this time, his inner voice is failing him. So here's what I want to tell you. Here's what I tell you. You cannot trust your thoughts, your inner voice. You cannot trust your thoughts if your thoughts are not continually being influenced by the truth of Scripture. You cannot trust your inner voice if your inner voice is not submitted to truth, what you, what, what, what's, your, what's, what's the standard of truth in your life? Is it yourself? Is it the culture? Is it the messages you hear all around you? Or is it scripture? If it's not scripture, then you can't trust your inner voice. Don't follow how you feel. Sometimes as believers, we better not follow how we feel. Because if we don't submit how we feel to the truth of God's word, we're going to be messing up everything in our life. Is that not true? In marriage, sometimes maybe you're in a marriage and your inner voice is telling you it's time to get out and you're fed up. Have you ever experienced that? But, you, but, but what we need to do is we need to say, no, God, we're going to submit this inner voice, this temptation to walk away, to get out, to avoid. We're going to submit that to the truth of God's word and say, God, what is your will in this situation, in my marriage, with my kids, on my job. Sometimes you're fed up with your job. You're like, I'm just going to quit. I've had it up to my eyeballs with this job, and I'm ready to get out. Sometimes your inner voice can lead you in the wrong direction. You must have your thoughts submitted to the truth of God's word. Psalms 119 says this, Oh, how I love your law. It is my meditation all the day. Your commandment makes me wiser than my enemies, for it is ever with me. This is speaking of God's word. I have more understanding than all my teachers. Students, going back to school, Psalms 119 should be your verse right here. If you know God's word more than your teacher does and you're living it out, you can say this with clarity. I have more understanding than all my teachers. Now I would tell you, don't go tell them that. It might not be a good idea. But if you know God's word, you have more understanding than all your teachers. For your testimonies are my meditation. I understand more than the aged. For I keep your precepts. I'll hold back my feet from every evil way in order to keep your word. I do not turn aside from your rules, for you have taught me. How sweet are your words to my taste, sweeter than honey to my mouth. Through your precepts, through your word, I get understanding. Therefore, I hate every false way. That's called discernment. That's called testing because I understand what your word says. I hate everything that's contradictory to your word. I love verse 105. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. How do you know? How do you want to know God's will? How do you know God's will in in your life? 
You know it by prioritizing God's word in your life. God's word is like a lamp. His principles, his truth is like a lamp that shines on the path in front of you. And you're walking and it's dark five feet in front of you. But one foot in front of you, it's, it's lit up. So what do you do? You take that step. And then God's word goes out a little bit more in front of you and you, you take that step. A, a truth of scripture, a principle in scripture guides you in your, in your decision making. It's like a lamp in front of you. It's right in front of you. You don't see way out there, but you see right here and you take that step. That's called allowing the word of God to rule in your life. It's principles, it's truths. God's word is like a lamp that reveals the safe path that we should walk in, in this life. Knowing God's will comes through testing and discernment. Amen? Secondly, knowing God's will comes through obeying what is obviously revealed. So knowing God's will comes through testing and discernment. We know, we know God's will by knowing God's word. And secondly, then, then this is so critical, we must obey what is obviously revealed. Knowing and walking in God's will for your life comes through obeying what is obviously revealed. Let's go back to, to the text. Let's read that section again. That by testing, you may discern what is good and acceptable and perfect. So we want to test and be discerning between, between truth and error. And we want that truth to guide our life. And when we do that, we will be able to discern what is good and acceptable and perfect. So here's what I want to tell you that these three words, good, acceptable, and perfect, are saying and what they're not saying. They're not saying that God has a good will and then he has an acceptable will and then he has a perfect will and we're on this journey and sometimes we're living in the good and sometimes we're living in the acceptable but rarely we're living in the perfect. That's not what he's saying there. Apostle Paul is borrowing from Levitical law. He's borrowing from sacrificial language. If you remember back in the the verse right before it, he said that we should be living sacrifices. So he's basing his argument about not conforming, being a living sacrifice, renewing our mind and knowing his will through a, a sacrificial uh, a, a language that was based on the Old Testament. In, in the Old Testament, through the, through the Levitical law, through the ceremonial law, there was laws about sacrificing of animals for the forgiveness of the sins of the nation of Israel. And I just want to read this just so you understand the context. Leviticus 22. It says this, let's, let's go down to, to verse 20. It says, you shall not offer anything that has, that has a blemish, for it will not be acceptable for you. And when anyone offers a sacrifice of peace offerings to the Lord to fulfill a vow or as a free will offering from the herd or from the flock, to be accepted, it must be perfect. There shall be no blemish in it. So, so Paul is simply saying about the good the acceptable and the perfect will of God, he's saying, he's simply saying that discerning Christians who test everything against God's word will be able to know what is pleasing to the Lord. That's that's what that flow of those three words mean. We can know, if we are discerning and we are following the truth of God's word, we'll be able to know what is pleasing to the Lord. We'll be able to know what is pleasing to the Lord. And that's what 1 Thessalonians 4 says. It says, finally then, brothers, we ask and urge you in the Lord Jesus that as you receive from us how you ought to walk, just as you are doing, that you do so more and more. For you know what instructions we gave you through the Lord Jesus. For this is the will of God, your sanctification. This is the will of God that, that we would grow more and more and be sanctified so that we can please the Lord in our life. So we can please the Lord in our life. That you abstain from sexual immorality. That each one of you know how to control his own body in holiness 
and honor. God's word is his revealed will for our life. And God's word tells us that he desires that we would be sanctified. You guys follow me? He desires that we would grow into Christ's likeness. But here's, here's where I think as Christians, we think, well, duh, check that box. I want to be pleasing to the Lord. If you're in here and you think you're a believer, but you don't desire to be pleasing to the Lord, I would ask you to evaluate whether you're in the faith. Because believers have a desire to please the Lord in every area. So we would say, well, Pastor Ben, that's easy. Of course, that's what I want to do. I want to please the Lord. And that's, that's the easy thing for us to think about when it comes to God's will. Most of us, when we think about knowing God's will, it's not, it's not about walking in holiness and purity. We know that's what God wants. For most of us, it's, it's the unknown will. It's who should I marry? What job should I take? Where should I live and what church should I go to? And you can add in, fill in the blank on many different things that you pray about. That's where we want to know what the will of God is. We're, we're typically okay with this level of understanding. Most of, most of us, when we think about God's will, we think about what we don't know about our future. But here's what I'll tell you. We should not expect that God would reveal what is unknown to us about our future while we are ignoring what he has already revealed in his word. We should not expect that God would reveal what is unknown to us about our future while we are ignoring what he has already revealed in his word. That's the second point, that knowing God's will for your life comes through obeying what is already revealed. So what is revealed in God's word? Let's think about those questions. Who should I marry? Let's get practical with it. Who should I marry? Okay, you should marry, what does God's word say? You should marry a godly person who is going in the same direction you are spiritually. You should not be unequally yoked with an unbeliever. That's 2 Corinthians six fourteen. So if you come to me as your pastor and you say, Pastor Ben, I'm, I'm, I'm dating a girl or a guy and they're not a believer and I, I know I shouldn't be doing that probably. You think I should marry them? And you're thinking about it? I want to tell you, it is not God's will for a believer to be married to a non-believer. If you're single and you're pursuing a relationship with somebody that is not a believer, I would tell you, step back. Put it on pause because right there you're already not obeying what is revealed in God's word. How, how in the world is God going to guide you in who, you, who you're to marry if you're not obeying his word concerning who you're to even pursue? should even be an option for a believer to pursue a relationship in marriage with a non-believer. So you should say, okay, well, what about a job? What job should I take? How, how does this principle play out with that question? Well, you should be faithful on the job that you have. Sometimes we get so discontented with the job that we're on that we forget that God's word says in 1 Timothy 5, 8, that if you do not provide for your own household, you are worse than an infidel. God's word guides you and tells you that if there's no other opportunity out there, If there's nothing else that is out there, then I'm going to be faithful where I'm at. I'm not just going to quit my job because I don't like it. God's word guides you in your life. Maybe you're here this morning and you're like, I'm just ready to quit my job. I would ask you, how are you going to provide for yourself and your family? Because if you can't do that, then you're disobeying God's word. You're called. This is how God's word practically guides us. Now look, I know there's unanswered questions that are out there. and And I'm not trying to answer all the unanswerable questions. I'm trying to get you to think this is how it works. Should I buy that house? Should I buy that house? Sometimes the, 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 the right question is, is not to ask, can I afford it? Sometimes that's not the right question to ask because sometimes we think we can afford what we cannot afford. The right question to ask is, 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 is am I content with what I have 
God's word says that we should be content. We should walk in contentment with what God has provided for us, that we should not be lustful and greedy after things that we don't need. With food and clothing, these we shall be content. What church should I become a member of? Where should I go to church? And I just want to tell you, if surface level preferences guide your decision, then I think you're on the wrong track. How does God's word guide us about what church we should attend? This is what God's word says, 2 Timothy 4. I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead, and by his appearing in his kingdom, preach the word. This is Paul to Timothy, Paul to a young pastor, a seasoned pastor to a young pastor. He tells the young pastor, he says, he says, in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is the judge of the living and the dead, and by his appearing in his kingdom, on that basis, I tell you, Timothy, preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, and exhort with complete patience and teaching. So what church should you go to? If the church that you're thinking about going to is pastored by a man who does not open the Bible and teach it, I would tell you to put the pause on. Uh, Look, the simple, the simple calling that every pastor has is to teach the scriptures to God's people. You need God's word taught to you on a relentless basis, week after week, opening God's word, saying here's what it says, here's what it means, and here's how it applies to your life. So if that's, that's how you can practically make a decision, what church should I be a part of? If they don't hold up the truth of scripture, run out of there. Get out of the door. We should not weary ourselves worrying about what God has for us in the future, but rather who he wants us to be right now. We shouldn't weary ourselves worrying about, God, what do you have for me in the future? We should be focused on, God, who do you want me to be right now? What have you revealed to me right now? Have you ever been in your car and you put on your phone the coordinates to where you want to go on Google Maps? We've all done it, right? And you go to a location, you're moving forward, you're moving forward, you're going in a direction, you know, you, you're trying to get from point A to point Z, right? But then you, you get to a place where Google Maps doesn't know about that road. <laughs> Have you ever experienced that? They don't know, that it's not there. And so then you make a turn, you're trying to figure out how to get to where you want to go, and what, what, what comes up on your screen? What, what do they start saying? recalculating and so you go to the right and, you, and, then, and then it recalculates hopefully it recalculates fast enough so you don't go so far out of the way right so here's what I want to tell you you got to put the car in drive in your life you got to obey you, you will not get to God's unknown will in your life if you aren't in the car with the foot on the accelerator and you may have some recalculating in your life as you go around in your life but you have to be obeying what is already revealed You have to be obeying what is already revealed. You won't go anywhere unless you get in the car and drive. Recalculations are okay. The point is, is that you are moving. You are obeying. You are doing what is obviously revealed in God's word. Amen? If we busy ourselves seeking to do God's revealed will for our lives, God will take care of handling the things we don't see yet. We won't go anywhere unless the car is in drive. Obey. Say yes, God. I'll obey what your word says. Knowing God's will comes through obeying what is obviously revealed. And lastly, my third point I want to bring out here, my final point here this morning, is that knowing 
and fulfilling God's will requires a submission of ours. Knowing and fulfilling God's will requires a submission of ours. So we must be a testing and a discerning believer in Jesus Christ. We hold up everything we hear to the truth of God's word. And we must seek to obey what God has already revealed. And if we're going to know and fulfill God's will, ultimately it requires a submission of our will. Talking about this in staff meeting with the pastors, we talked about submission of our own will. And I think we often only want God's will for our life if it makes sense with what we want to do. Like, God, I want your will. I want to obey you. Yes, I believe what Pastor Ben said. I believe that I need to be discerning and test everything to the truth of Scripture. And I, and I know I need to obey the already revealed truths you put in Scripture and let those truths guide my life. But God, I just don't want to do what I think you want me to do. I don't want to obey you. I don't. I, sometimes we're okay until it gets uncomfortable. Sometimes we're okay until God says it's time to go to Nantes, France. Sometimes it's okay until God says it's time to go to India. Sometimes it's okay until God says you need to talk to that person and make things right with them. Sometimes it's okay until it makes us uncomfortable and then we say, no, I'm checking out. I'm done. Knowing and fulfilling. We can know, but if we're going to fulfill God's will for our life. It requires a submission of our will. Sometimes Jesus is going to ask you to do things you don't like to do. Sometimes he's going to do that. Jesus And Jesus demonstrated for us what it looks like to do what God has called him to do, to submit his will. Luke 2, caravan of people. Jesus is with his mom and dad traveling in a caravan. Look what happens. Jesus gets lost But he wasn't lost. Jesus wasn't lost. Luke 2, after three days, they found him in the temple. Twelve years old, three days. Think about it, parents. Twelve years old, three days, your child missing. How worried are you going to be? After three days, they found him in the church. Be like you missed your child and you think the last place I'm going to look is Living Word Church. And you come over here and they're, they're right here. Or they're in my office talking with Pastor Ben about the things of God. It's like... What are you doing? And this is what they said. This is what his parents said. He was sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions. And all who heard him were amazed at his understanding and his answers. And when his parents saw him, they were astonished. His mother said to him, son, why have you treated us like this? Behold, your father and I have been searching for you in great distress. And he said to them, why were you looking for me? (laughs) <laughs> you think Jesus got slapped right there? <laughs> I think that would have been our temptation. But, can you, but Mary knew who he was, right? She had already pondered these things in her heart, right? So I don't think she would have been slapping the Son of God. But she thought about it. <laughs> Why were you looking for me? Do you not know that I must be in my father's house? I must be about my father's business? I have to be following him. John 6, Jesus said, All that the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me, I will never cast out. That's a good truth. I love that one. For I, Jesus speaks of himself, for I have come down from heaven, not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. Fulfilling God's will requires a submission of ours. 
Luke 22, in the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus is about to fulfill his purpose for why he came to the earth. And he is anxious and he is worried and he is overwhelmed and he's in the garden with his disciples. And he says, can you please wait with me and tarry and pray with me? He was burdened and overwhelmed. He was burdened and overwhelmed. And this is what it says. And when he came to the place, he said to them, pray that you may not enter into temptation. And he withdrew from them about a stone's throw and knelt down saying, Father, if you are willing, I don't like it. I don't like what you're asking me to do because it's not easy. It's not easy what I'm about to have to go through, Lord. This is not easy, but, but what am I going to say? Father, if you're willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, not what I want, not my way, not my desires, not my plans, not my opinions, not what I think, but yours be done. If you're going to fulfill God's will in your life, it's going to take a submission of your will. So here's my fulfillment to the promise I gave you at the beginning of my message. I told you I was going to tell you what I know for sure, 100%, is is God's will for your life. God's will for our life is not about us. And this is where we get it all hung up. This is where we get all hung up and mixed up in our life. When we are thinking about the unknown will of God, who I should marry, what job I should take, what church I should go to, this decision, this unknown decision, this future thing, this future thing, we get so caught up in the mindset that it is actually about us. And that's where we get stressed out. That's where we lose all of our peace, all of our joy. We lose it all because we're just thinking about how we can fulfill what we desire. God's will for our life is not about us. It's not about us fulfilling our dreams. God's will for us is that we would walk in his will for our life so that others would glorify him because of the testimony of your life. That is God's will for your life. It is so easy to expend so much emotional energy focusing on how we can get to where we believe God is calling us. When what God is after is us expending our energy focused on the moments we are in right now. Obeying God now. Saying yes to faithfulness today, tomorrow, the next day, the day after that, the day after that. Just stay faithful. Just say yes. Obey God today. This is what I would ask you. What what will be your legacy when you go on from this life? Because you know we're all dying, right? Some of us will die sooner than others. We're not promised our next breath. We're all heading towards eternity. And so what will be the legacy? What will you leave after you when you go, when you leave this earth? This This is what I desire. I want to leave behind me a trail of people that God has privileged me to impact for the gospel. I want to leave behind me a trail of people that I've been privileged to impact for the gospel. And that is God's will for your life. I don't want to be so focused on the future plans of God for my life that I miss his plans that are right in front of me. Amen? We live in a broken world. And you you see the brokenness. We saw it yesterday. We saw it yesterday on, on full display. And, there, and our world's in desperate need of the gospel. People have lost hope. They've lost hope in this life. 
People live in an alternate reality. Social media and, 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 and media as a whole have, have caused people to be like zombies. And they live in an alternate reality and they don't know how to cope. People don't know how to cope and handle pain and suffering because they don't have something that is stabilizing in their life. That's why people do crazy things. We have the hope. We have the truth. We have the answers that they need. It's not just in me and my voice on Sundays. It is in your voice. It's in you. You have the hope of the world inside of you if you have Christ living in you. What is God's will for your life? God's will is that we would give all that we are to making an impact in this world for the glory of Christ. Bringing healing to the hurting. Bringing hope to those who have lost hope. Bringing truth to those who are lost. Bringing the gospel to everyone who so desperately needs it. This is God's will for my life and your life. So, who should you marry? What house should you buy? What church should you attend? What job should you take? The answer is simple. Let me give you the answer. The answer is simple. Whoever, wherever, and whatever will put you in the best position to live your life for the glory of God and the furtherance of the gospel. Do that. Say yes to that. Say yes to that. Amen. Won't you stand your feet with me? Say yes to that. Oh, that is our desire. We want to say yes to that, Lord. I want to do this. I want to end. And, and, and when you hear a message like this, it's very challenging. And, and, and there's big thoughts I've been saying. I just want us to, just, just to simply surrender our will to his will. Just in the, even in a symbolic way. So won't you just lift your hands in kind of a surrendering way. Maybe you're not comfortable. Maybe you've not ever done that. But just, just close your eyes. Just lift your hands in a way of just saying, Lord, here is my life. So, Lord, this is what we say. Here's my life. Here is everything that I have, Lord. Here is all of my desires, all of my dreams. God, I surrender them all to you. Lord, not my will, but yours be done. God, I pray, God, for all of those that are here this morning that are looking for your will looking for what it is you called them to do. God, I pray that they would surrender everything to you, all the worries, all the anxieties about the future, and that they would just focus on right now obeying you, right now living according to your word, and, 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 and knowing, God, trusting that you will unfold what they don't see right now. God, not our will, but your will be done. We say as the Lord of our life said, nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I just want to close with this before you run off. I want to close with this. If you need prayer about anything in your life, if you want to pray about something I talked about in this message, or if you have not made Jesus the Lord of your life and you want to do that, I will be in the room, a prayer room right over there on that hallway. I'm going to leave directly and go in there, and I can pray with you this morning. You are dismissed. Love you.